Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. This is Locked and Loaded with Rick Munn on TNT. Okay, it's uh, Friday the 5th of January 2024. This is TNT, today's news talk. I am Rick Munn and this is, of course, Locked and Loaded. Been doing this now for the best part of two years. Can you believe it? First show was on the 17th of January 2022 and here I am. Didn't know if I'd last the first week. Didn't know if I'd last the first month. Didn't know even if I'd last the first year, but I'm like a bad smell. It's very, very difficult to get rid of me when I'm bedded in somewhere. So I'm still here. And of course, very, very many of you have been with us here from the start on TNT Today's News Talk. And for that, we are eternally grateful. Plenty more still to come. Things just don't let up on these shows here today. I've got three guests for you today. I'm going to be joined in about five minutes by my old chum, Johnny Weissman. And Johnny was actually one of my first guests in my first week on air as well. So it's almost like we're reliving the good old days again. He's going to be joining me until half past. Then Charlie Sanson is going to be joining me from the UK at around about half past and then a quarter to the hour, to the top of the hour, Ryan Dawson will be beaming in from Korea of all places. So never let it be said that we don't have variety here on TNT. Uh, and they do say that variety is the spice of life. Of course, we want to see your comments in our live chat. And let me just say this. I've been half browsing in the live chat here this morning. There's a lot of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. A lot of people are very upset that Katie Hopkins has announced that she's going to be taking a pause from TNT. My God, listening to some of you people, you'd swear she had died and, and you're going to be attending her funeral next week. I don't know if you actually heard what she said or not. She said she's taking a pause because of internet connectivity and already the conspiracy theorists are running rife in there telling us how we don't ignore people in the chat. Nobody else, everybody's ignored. That's complete and utter bollocks. Absolutely nobody interacts more, has done with the live chat over the last two years since it's been brought in than me because I've been here from the start. And let me tell you this, just talking straight, because, you know, you say you like the truth and you say you like straight talking. I wish, I wish I had the luxury of browsing on my phone for 45 minutes during the course of a show, but I don't. I'm doing with a news editorial. I have not one, not two, but three guests to talk to live on air and also a co-host in the shape and form of Natalie Shields. So when you're doing that, it's extremely difficult to be just flicking through the live chat. But you know what? If you have the time to do it, well and good. But I do check the chat after the shows, usually to see what people have been saying. And I always do give props and shout outs to the people that leave contributions in there. But of course, people are upset. Listen, this is life. No matter what happens, people are going to be upset. But one thing that I do know in my limited time on this earth, my 50 years on the Thursday, of this earth is the show must go on and the show will go on and it doesn't matter who comes or goes tnt will still be around i do believe that for all eternity but hey what do i know i'm just an irishman who's just speaking his mind here this morning so for those of you who are upset very sorry to hear about that for those of you who aren't so upset yeah life goes on life goes on and wishing nothing but the best for katie and you never know she could be back in a in a month or two i understand from what she said she's just taking a pause so 
Yeah, that's as much about it as I know. And in the meantime, I've still got plenty more on my plate here, the TNT, but I just thought I would acknowledge that lest people's noses get put out of joint in the live chat thinking they're being ignored. You're not, you're not. It's just other people are doing different things live on Earth at the minute and we don't have the time to browse into the live chat as much as we would like to. But yeah, that's life as well. So we're going to take a pause and I'm going to welcome my first guest on here this morning because Gemma's not working today. So I get to spend a little bit of extra time with my old chum, Jonathan Weisman. So please don't go away. This is TNT Today's News Talk. Going 360 on the headlines. It's really well-balanced conversation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, Jonathan uh, Weissman, for those of you who don't already know, Johnny has been uh, talking to me now since my first week live on air on TNT. And in fact, from memory, the first time he did actually talk to me, he was on for a full two hours because I used to have to do a four hour shift, not a two hour shift in the mornings. And uh, yeah, those were the early days of TNT Radio. So just to give you a little bit of background information, if you're not already familiar with uh, Jonathan, he is uh, actually by trade, he's a computer cybersecurity expert. And to this day, I still have yet to talk to him about cybersecurity issues. Uh, he has a website called All the Risks dot com and if you use the x platform or the so-called twitter platform as per now he is there at all the risks so what he does is in his own words he documents all the risks with the current experimental mass campaign vaccination across toxicology molecular biology virology immunology and epidemiology and everything else ending in ology and he's finally Logged on, he's joined us this morning, looking a little bit worse for the wear. I hope he wasn't out on the Raz last night. Uh, good morning and welcome back. I feel like I can say that to you because you're a friend of mine now. Jonathan Weissman, how you doing? Um, great to be here, Rick, as always, and hope you're doing well today as well. I am, I am. And I was just uh, reminiscing uh, before you uh, connected with us this morning. It's been a full two years that you and I have been talking now on TNT. You did your first show uh, at the start of January. 2022 and here you are in 2024 we must be doing something right jonathan or you wouldn't keep coming back or unless either that or you're a masochist which one is it well no it's a massive thank you to tnt radio and to you rick for reaching out and the opportunity i was just reflecting um yesterday i was seeing a, an interview um uh, professor dal gleish was on talking about the harms of the vaccine and the cancers with nigel farage on tv and i was thinking Look at how far it's come where people like Professor Dalgish at one point were writing articles advocating for the vaccine um, in newspapers, for example, and now people like him and others are actually opposing it. So I think that's a massive sign of how how important the work is at TNT Radio. And I'm delighted to have been there since the beginning. And a big thanks to you, Rick, for inviting me. No, more than a pleasure, you know, and I think because we've just started a, a new year, you know, all the New Year's festivities have now passed by. We're up to the 5th of January, but it is a good time, I think, to reflect on some of the stuff that we have discussed over the last two years, Jonathan. And now I wouldn't say that we're vindicated by the media because we've, we've known we've been right about many, many things for the last two years. But do you find it interesting, for example, in Ireland this week, RTE who is Ireland's state media broadcaster, the Irish equivalent of the BBC, they came out and published OECD statistics to show there were no 
excess deaths at all during the height of the so-called pandemic in Ireland. I think it was the fourth lowest amount of excess deaths along with uh, New Zealand and Iceland. But yet we were told by Robin Swan, who was the health minister over here at the time, to prepare for biblical death numbers and, you know, really all hell breaking loose. In reality, we said, listen, there's maybe nothing to worry about here. And now we've been vindicated, per se, by RTE coming out and saying, well, yeah, there were no excess deaths during the, la the pandemic years. So what was the hullabaloo all about? And of course, even 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 further to that, the any deaths you did see, especially in that initial wave, that period where we can talk about what went on with the hospital protocols, what went on with um, care homes and mistreatment and mismanagement and so forth. But the, the age of those people dying was always in line with the expected age of mortality, according to the demographics. And I've recently did some work with a friend of mine, Kathy Gray, who's been on the show before. She's very into the, the data from the FOIA request. And the Freedom of Information request with the Northern Ireland um, Statistics Research Agency, NISRA, so that's that's the north of the island, that shows very much that when it came to COVID, yeah, it didn't affect people of, of a younger age demographic. And the fascinating thing is when you look at the jab injuries and deaths, it's completely different. You then see it affecting all age groups. And I know anecdotally, I hear so much when it comes to the younger age groups suffering these kind of clotting events, cardiac issues, new onset of health conditions that you don't expect. So again, I think that's a very important um, point to distinguish is the fact that the those who were dying from COVID Whenever they were, it seems to be in line with the expected mortality. So that's important. Mm -hmm. Uh, as well as that, Jonathan, obviously there's been a spike in excess deaths right across the world over the last, well, I would say over the last uh, two years, or in fact, has it been three years since the vaccine ruled out? They, they were introduced to the world, I think, in December of 2020 after you know Operation Warp Speed, as Trump would define it, bringing this, these products to market in breakneck speed, unleashing them upon the world. It's been three full years now, actually, just over three years since the these uh, products were first administered to people or these uh, lethal injections, as some people would call them, were put into people's arms. We're seeing massive amounts of excess, excess deaths since that campaign was introduced. However, the same hullabaloo is not being made over that as it was, for example, over the lack of excess deaths during the uh, scandemic years. Do you think maybe in a year's time, fingers crossed, that we could be vindicated in that respect as well when somebody finally does acknowledge that there is a correlation between the onset of the vaccine campaigns and the death rates? Or do you think that one will remain perpetually buried? I think the powers that be are, are, are very, very large. I mean, to throw the pharmaceutical industry or even just the vaccine industry within that under the bus or even just the mRNA technology or the genetic vaccines, mRNA, adenovirus, DNA under the bus would be a huge thing. And I think it's unlikely. The other scenario, which obviously is very difficult to speak of, and it's not something that I uh, hope to see happen, but I have to be honest with my position. I, I heard you reading out my bio earlier as I just joined the line talking about epidemiology and virology, which are maybe things that we don't tend to think about so much on this side of the equation when we're strongly opposed to vaccines the way that I am. But I am concerned that um, we have a moving target here. Now, there's two interpretations when it comes to the virus right now. One is, of course, it's either a nothing burger or it doesn't exist. And that is absolutely on the table. And I respect that position. And that position has a right now to come to the table and to um, 
have it have have its point come across. But I have a slightly different position, which is simply that mm. what we've done at massive scale, and it's never been done before. We've never injected this many people with an immune therapy, which is the induction of antibodies across the whole world with a moving target, which is a pathogen that has to react and evade around the immune response of the population. It's a hostile immune response. As a consequence, what we see with the mutations of the virus is completely unprecedented by the textbook. So if you look at any other pathogen like influenza or respiratory syncytial virus, you do not see the types of um, groundbreaking evolutions happening every few months where it's almost like a different lineage or even like a different virus. The antigenic distance between the virus you see today and between Omricron is bigger than between Omricron and between the initial variant. And that whole distance is bigger than between SARS-CoV-2 and the initial SARS virus. So in other words, it's, it's like multiple different viruses. And the question I have for the year ahead is, will we see a situation where we do see absolutely increased morbidity and mortality, especially amongst those who've taken the vaccine, because the virus has evolved to have such a high level of infectiousness that they're not able with their trained um, adaptive immune response to keep up with the changes in the virus, whereas the unvaccinated may be better prepared for this because they've been relying on the innate immune system. So when I think back to some of the early protests, I remember seeing signs around, you know, um, God gave us an innate immune system. Now that's kind of the line that I'm running with. I believe absolutely that there's a there's a pathogen. I don't think it caused a high degree of excess death. I do think that the deaths were caused primarily by um, poor hospital protocols and cruel treatments and so forth. But what I am saying is it may become undeniable if this thing evolves in the way that a lot of people are concerned that it might do. And that would be something that I would say, if that happens, then this argument will become a mute point because mm -hmm. sadly it will be um, evident to all to see. Well, uh, in keeping with uh, 2024, the beginning of the year, I want to project forward a little bit and revisit something that you have mentioned several times uh, during the course of 2022 and 2023, which is the possibility of a new thing coming along on the disease front, disease X. That's been talked about a little bit, whispered about, uh, you know, in close circles. I want to take a break. We've got to take a little ad break right now, but when we come back, I want to get your outlook for 2024 in terms terms of possibility of something being brought to us that is infinitely worse than uh, COVID-19, you know, an asymptomatic uh, disease, allegedly, that you don't even have any symptoms, but you're positive for. Gateson uh, Foundation came out with a statement that when the next one comes along, people will sit and take notice to it. Want to get your thoughts on what might be coming our way this year? Obviously, we're speculating, but we can read the writing on the wall a little bit on this one too. So please don't go away, folks. We'll be right back after this short ad here on TNT Today's News Talk. TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. The double standard is out there. It's so obvious. It's so frustrating. Eric Holder gets held in contempt of Congress for defying a congressional subpoena. Nothing happens. Obama's DOJ didn't pursue it. Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro defy a congressional subpoena. Joe Biden's DOJ criminally prosecutes them. Criminally prosecutes them for defying a congressional subpoena. And now we've got congressional subpoenas of Hunter Biden and James Biden, the resident's brother. And guess what? Nothing's going to be done by Merrick Garland, Barack Obama, 
Joe Biden's DOJ. That's right, I said Barack Obama. Obama's the shadow president. He's not the one pulling the strings. He wasn't pulling the strings in his own administration. You know, Valerie Jarrett was his minder. Where is the Iranian-born Valerie Jarrett these days? Haven't seen or heard much of her. It's because the Democrats are smart. Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT Radio. I said, could she die? And the doctor said she could. It was so scary. When I started clawing at my neck and trying to breathe and I thought, you know, what are we going to do if I die here? (laughs) How's everyone going to go on? When someone's gravely sick or injured in the bush, they rely on the Royal Flying Doctor Service. But now the Flying Doctor needs your help to fund vital medical equipment and supplies. Please search Flying Doctor online to give a regular gift of just $10. You can help equip the Flying Doctor's teams to respond to any emergency anywhere. Search Flying Doctor online. Become a part of the Royal Flying Doctor service and help save lives in the bush. Website TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT. Okay, I'm in conversation as per right now live with Jonathan Feisman at All the Risks on X slash Twitter or check out his website, allthorisks.com. You'll find all his research is published there, all his uh, talks are published there. Everything you could need to know about Jonathan pretty much is on allthorisks.com. Now, another group that you're part of, Jonathan, that I've been very happy to have at least connected with this year and had them on for a chat, Unlocked and Loaded, various members of the VIBS and I group a vaccine injured and bereaved group within Northern Ireland. I know we've been keeping an eye on trying to raise awareness and try and lift the profile of the people that have been injured and or sadly lost family members due to these uh, administration of these vaccines, trying to get a day in Stormont, having some opposition with regards to not being able to secure a nationalist politician. Uh, Only unionist politicians have been backing this so far. And for those of you outside of the north of Ireland, it's all very political here. If you want to go to Stormont, you need a a, a green light from both sides of the political spectrum. Where are we at with that one now? Could we see uh, the day in Stormont happening in 2024? Is that still a bit of a pipe dream? Well, conversations are still ongoing. So just to explain how it kind of works, um, we have several volunteers within our group and because it's such a small place that Northern Ireland and most of the people perhaps live around Belfast as well. So you have a number of local constituency offices that would be around about Belfast and you'd have certain parts of the city that would tend to have more nationalist or Republican um, MLAs, which is um, the member of the devolved body that sits in Stormont um, in Belfast. And you'd also have other parts where it would be more unionist. So we have folks who will go and actually go to the offices and meet with the folks. We can get around quite a number of these offices, speak to them, talk to them. Even these politicians, they know each other across the divide. They do, um, for example, have to work together. So they actually um, can speak to each other. We do try to leverage that as well. So I can say that it's efforts are ongoing. And we do have some uh, maybe green shoots as well, some little bit of hope there. So at the moment, no, it's still not in place. But I would say that there is a possibility. Somebody just needs to break rank from this sort of party line, if you will, where they're being told, hey, you can't go and co-sign this event because it will open up a can of worms, right? And then suddenly everyone will say, well, 
why have you not um, co-signed the event before? Why have you not spoken out on the excess deaths? Because, and, or they may be subject to media scrutiny from um, the mainstream media. They may say, hey, why are you signing up with these, um, you know, Fruit, fruit loops who think that you know vaccines cause harm or whatever so i don't know which way it's going to go on that on that front but yeah certainly the conversation's ongoing and the good thing is you guys aren't just uh taking no for an answer as well obviously this is something that needs to be brought to the public's attention and by people that have been directly affected or injured or bereaved as a result of these jabs that were ruled out of course as being safe and effective so i would hope and pray uh jonathan for for your guys sake that you will get your day in storm and at least get the get the voices heard uh rather than uh banging on the doors uh and, 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 and you know and just remaining silenced or they're trying to brush people under the carpet very much with this one which we at least here as long as we're broadcasting on uh, tnt uh we'll always give you guys a voice of that i'm sure you're pretty uh confident now, just as we finalize this little chat here this morning, the kickoff into 2024, Disease X, you did mention it uh, several times before. Uh, you've done a lot of research into the whole symbology of X, uh, what's going on with Twitter being rebranded X, funnily enough, and the X Corporation, Disease X, 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 X. If we do see the emergence of so-called Disease X during 2024. What could we expect by it? Will it be something spectacular? It will it be something that, in Gates' words, does grab the public's attention and give them a shake? Well, the scenario that I've always long been considering and have basically put out as a hypothesis is very simply that it could be a rebranded variant. Um, I was just reading just yesterday this article from the WHO COVID technical director, um, Maria Van Koffer is her name, and she's describing how it's been two years since they last branded one of the variants as a variant of concern, and then it gets the acquisition of a Greek letter. So that was Omricon. You had the Alpha, Beta, Delta, Gamma, Omricon, right? And there's a lot of pressure from the epidemiologists out there saying, hey, um, these are known as like the variant hunters or the mutational spotters. They're all over Twitter, right? And they're always trying to encourage the WHO to rename one of these variants. So for example, the current variant, which is JN1, which comes from BA 2.86, the um, epidemiologists out there are calling it Pyrola because these are the next two Greek letters, Pi and Rho. So the idea is that they want to pressure the WHO to rename one of the variants. Now, WHO and Maria said that in the article in Fortune, hey, um, unless there's a change in clinical severity, we're not going to rename any variants, which makes total sense because nobody sees any issue with, with the variants. And I totally agree. Having said that, though, based on the scenario I outlined earlier, if we do see a change in the virus, which I think is potentially possible due to the unprecedented nature of vaccinating 60 to 70 percent of the world's population, something which has never, ever been done in this type of timescale. You can talk about the smallpox vaccination campaign over a hundred years, right? That doesn't equate to this. You can talk about polio vaccination campaign, but again, the numbers just don't add up to what we've seen in this tiny time frame with something emerging. So if that does occur and it has a much higher level of virulence amongst the vaccinated, then I think they will select obviously a new Greek letter. And I've postulated that there is a letter further down the alphabet, which is which is chai, which looks just like an X. And I've suggested mm -hmm. that COVID-19 would then become out of date because that refers to the year that it, uh, so it apparently emerged from Wuhan. They say December 19, I would say it's more like August 2019. And then in October, you had the Wuhan military games. The point is that the one nine comes from the year that it was um, put onto the radar. Mm -hmm. In fact, WHO actually identified it with a press release. I think it was the very last day 
of 2019. I think it was the 31st, and it might have been the 30th of December 2019. That's where you get the 1-9 from. So what I'm saying is if, if it completely changes and it becomes clear that it has a virulence that we've never seen before, they're not going to call it COVID-19. They're going to call it COVID and then something that relates to the brand new nature of it of it emerging with virulence. And I've postulated that this will just be an X, for example, because we see this pattern elsewhere where we have disease X, we have um, uh, X as a placeholder for all kinds of things um, that are not so good. Um, and I, I've given other examples like with Elon Musk, with X.com, with X platform, uh, Tesla X and so forth. I think there's something up with that. Um, I have more more thoughts in it that are probably a bit spurious, but effectively what I'm saying is if you do see a stepwise increase in virulence, then I think you can expect to see a rebrand of COVID-19 to COVID and something else. And I'm suggesting it'll be COVID-X. Uh, it sounds good. Uh, you can almost see the marketing campaign building up around COVID-X. You can almost see the bus shelters uh, splattered with people with, you know, oxygen masks on and bloodshot eyes saying, you know, uh, Jonathan didn't stay at home and protect the NHS. Now he's down with COVID X. It does have a certain morbid ring to it. And I think they have flogged the COVID-19 horse to death, uh, Jonathan, to be honest with you. Uh, so we've, actually, we've got to take a break as per right now. Uh, I've just got a message from the studio to say that uh, we haven't got uh, the next guest connected yet. So I don't know if you want to hang around uh, until we have confirmation that he's on there. We're a little bit fluid this week. Uh, we're bringing on a lot more new people. So if you want to do that, of course, you'd be more than welcome. And I would be absolutely devastated if you didn't take me up on that offer. So hopefully uh, you'll be around after this short break here. So don't go away. Uh, this is TNT, Today's News Talk. Huh? What are you guys doing today? The news. Now, TNT Radio News. Sounds good. Matt Boylan here with a look at your TNT headlines. The US is now accusing Russia of teaming up with North Korea, claiming the two countries are now arming each other. A 17-year-old boy's gone on a shooting rampage at a high school in the US. A second batch of previously sealed court documents pertaining to dead pedophile Jeffrey Epstein have been released. And the number of people missing in Japan following New Year's Day's devastating earthquake has jumped to 242, while the official death toll nears 100. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, I'm still connected, thankfully, uh, to my old chum, Jonathan Feisman, here this morning from All The Risks. And if you don't already do this, uh, follow him on the X Twitter platform, at All The Risks. And of course, he has a website, alltherisks.com. Now, uh, unfortunately, my next guest hasn't joined us yet, but Jonathan's very kindly agreed to stay on because we still have piles to talk about here this morning. I saw a, a message that came up this morning from uh, somebody that you will be familiar with, Jonathan, uh, at least a post that was put up on social media from Dr. Thomas Binder. Uh, he said the excess mortality in Europe is currently lower than during the last influenza season. Are we actually sure that SARS-CoV-2 is spreading extremely fast, not rather the number of, number of people who are simply being tested? Now, I want to look at testing here because, you know, I'm very detached from people that buy into the COVID narrative. As far as I'm concerned, it's dead and buried. But as I hear stories from other people that work in certain public organizations, COVID is still very much alive and well in the minds of many. And there are still people 
after three years still, you know, swabbing their throats and ramming, uh, you know, lobotomy sticks up their noses and taking lateral flow tests only to be told that they're COVID positive after all their injections and jabs. So what do you make of the statement then from uh, Dr. Binder talking about uh, the number of people that are being tested is simply driving these numbers rather than actual infections themselves? Okay, so when it comes to um, test. I think the overall number of people testing is really just those who self-test. And I don't even know if you can get free COVID tests. I think the CDC might have recently introduced a scheme where you can get a free test. But generally speaking, it's more difficult to acquire the test. They're not like handing them out in those big uh, centers we used to see mm. with car parks and, and mm. people could drive in, get a test, get swabbed and, and come out track and trace, things like this. This is all gone. So it's probably people who believe that they have the infection and are also kind of neurotic, right? And then testing and then reporting on those results. There is another metric by which you might be able to tell what the infection rate is, and that's the wastewater. So you have a website, BioData, I think it is. Um, and that actually has the excretions of the virus through the wastewater, where it is basically at record highs. But that kind of depends on the replication of the virus and the excretion from the gastrointestinal tract, which is not always a good um, indicator from the um, nasopharynx. So in other words, where the transmission is normally happening, which is basically up from, you know, the mucosal surfaces, like you're breathing out or, you know, your spit or whatever, this kind of thing. So um, I certainly, I personally, again, my view and, and others will have a different view is that it's certainly around, but it's not causing virulence right now, thank God. And hopefully it stays that way. Uh, as I've said before, I'm still anticipating that we could face a, ma a major stepwise change and I'd rather, in terms of virulence, I'd rather not be caught unaware or by surprise if that does occur. But I completely agree with the analysis that right now it's not causing significant um, morbidity, mortality amongst most people. Um, whether it will stay that way, look, I'm the biggest person who hopes that it does stay that way. If somebody can show me that it will never cause virulence ever again and it's not an issue, that I'll be absolutely thrilled. But it's just not the conclusion I've drawn at the moment. So. Mm -hmm. uh, from again, not from my own personal experience, because you know I work, I am isolated now. I work from home, and you know I only meet people that you know are of a like mind. They may don't hang around with branch Covidians, uh, but I know people that do go into workplaces. And one of the things that I'm hearing back, and I don't know if you can comment on this from your circle of friends or people that you associate with, but it seems to be the people that are getting sick frequently now or the people that are getting sick with more severity at this point in time would seem to be the people that have went for multiple injections of the so-called uh, COVID shot. So, you know, again, our own personal experiences can't directly correlate to this, but is it fair to say that people that have been multiply jabbed over the last three years, people really have bought into this narrative, it hasn't really done them any good in terms of their health. Thank God, I don't know about you, but I've only been, I've only had a few days sick in the last two years. Um, once actually was when I lost my voice, which wasn't a sickness at all. Some people think it was a blessing in disguise, but I don't know what your health's been like over the last uh, two years. But I mean, is that, has that been your experience just looking around your own social circle? Yeah, there's been a lot of like low grade illnesses as well as the more severe kind of clotting thrombotic type of events. What I would say here, maybe this is a helpful analogy or a helpful way of putting it for some people who are kind of thinking, ah, oh, well, the virus doesn't do anything, which, which is fair enough. But you've got to remember that when you inject yourself with an antigen, which is basically any kind of foreign material that 
is designed to elicit an immune response. So in the case of the vaccine, it's the spike protein, and it has certain almost like adjuvants, which are almost like irritators to the innate immune system so that it comes out and creates an um, adaptive immune response, which I'm thinking of some of the lipids that they use that are highly toxic, right? So it's basically a toxic compound. I mean, by definition, you look at the toxicologist, they'll tell you that this mRNA technology is profoundly toxic. There's been studies in mice that have shown the same thing. So you basically are deliberately trying to induce and response against what you've given. And this is gonna create antibodies. When you create antibodies, you don't just create them once and they go into your blood and you can measure them in the serum like once. You imprint and you stamp upon the B cells that produce the antibodies memory. You now have memory endowed B cells. What happens is, and this is the whole theory of vaccination is upon subsequent contact or exposure to the same pathogen, whether it's bacterium, virus, whatever, you're going to then re-elicit that trained adaptive immune response. So in this case, you're going to get those antibodies coming out. Now, that high degree of imprinting of your B cells to produce antibodies can, of course, be beneficial and it can, of course, be harmful for whatever reason. Just think of it as a thought experiment. What's going to happen if I now imprint with a type of memory or a type of training my um, B cells to produce antibodies, and this thing is still around, this virus, so it's going to re-elicit them. So I put a lot of the pathology potentially down to the antibody response and to a type of training that is not able to keep up with the change in the microorganism. And what's also important to bear in mind is those same antibodies can potentially cause more issues even with other unrelated pathogens, perhaps influenza, for example, potentially respiratory syncytial virus. So when you see this stepwise increase in low grade type of pathogens and fevers in the wintertime in the Northern Hemisphere, I postulate that it's got something to do with the antibody response. I think it's something that we don't often speak enough about is the immunological disruption based on using a technology at scale. So you produce population wide immune selection pressure and population wide um, changes in the in the behavior of the pathogen but also those individual people are now less able to fight things in a much more holistic natural way which would be to rely on their innate immune system so i would put that down to the difference between the unvaccinated and the vaccinated it's the natural god-given innate immune system versus the artificial adaptive immune system that I think has been primed in an inappropriate way. And the crucial point is it's been primed at scale, which can then cause an issue to the pathogen itself. Mm, interesting. Um, you know, there's there's always so many things to try and cover here and so little time to do it. Uh, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, one of our lovely listeners, Anto, who's a fellow Northern Ireland resident, uh, simply put a message in the live chat. He said, talk about the apocalypse, Rick. Imagine that he wants me to talk about the apocalypse. Well, strangely enough, if you go onto Jonathan's uh, X feed or Twitter feed, all the risks at all the risks, uh, his pinned message from the 18th to the 12th is the apocalypse and the gospel. I'm very pleased to share my recent talk on the urgent gospel called the apocalypse, the end of the world, the revelation, call it what you want. You know, in a nutshell, because we've only got a few minutes left, you know, uh, we're certainly closer to the end now than we were two years ago, just naturally uh, time is passing by. You know, people do need to wake up, I believe, Jonathan, and smell the coffee because I don't care if you're a believer you're an unbeliever, you believe in God or you follow Buddha or whoever, you, you're a Muslim, whatever. No one, I think, with a functioning brain can look at the world 
in the current state that it's in at the minute and say that it's getting better or it's improving. Everything seems to be going down the toilet and we're heading towards the abyss. Is the apocalypse something that we should be worried about right now? Or is it just too early in the year to be talking about heavy stuff like that? No, it's definitely not too early. It's one of the questions I ask myself that the, the most is about, you know, when's it coming and what should our response be? As I've said many times before, one of the silent phenomenon that I believe will play out in our world in the time ahead is this massive debate and distinction within the Christian church, depending upon one's interpretation of what to do with the prophecy of John the Apostle in the book of Revelation, and of course, Daniel the prophet, what Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24 and the Olivet Discourse. The question remains, when you look out at this world, do you see evidence, if you're a Christian, that Jesus Christ is reigning in a very uh, concrete way over all the affairs of this world, exercising his staff and his rod and his judgment over all the nations with the kind of um, strength and the kind of closeness that you would expect of any good leader or who's got all the power in the world, i.e. the world leader. Or is it the case, which is what I would hold to as someone of the premillennial disposition, that we witness right now the world under satanic control, the whole world lieth under the sway of the wicked one. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing evidence that whilst as a Christian, I believe Jesus sits at the right hand of the father, has conquered death, has conquered sin, has conquered the grave, has defeated the devil by um, rising from the dead. Having said that, though. He's at the right hand of the father and he's awaiting the time appointed by the father in the fullness mm -hmm. of time, just like his virgin birth was at the appointed time, according to the scriptures, according to the prophecies, when all things would be fulfilled, that he would come out from Bethlehem and go to Egypt and come back and do this and do that. In the same way, there's an appointed time when he will come and crush the devil literally and bodily. And that will be the devil, the mystery of iniquity, the fulfillment and the fullness of the devil indwelling the Antichrist, Revelation chapter 12, when he's kicked out of heaven by Archangel Michael. And that's when Jesus comes at the very end, after the great tribulation, after all things, pours out his wrath and literally binds the devil, throws him in the lake of fire, and then ushers in the brand new age to come, which is the messianic age, which is the same hope that the Jewish people had 2000 years ago at the time of Christ. The only difference is they didn't see the fulfillment of that through this Messiah Christ Jesus. So. I would say it's very concrete when you look at things around COVID and everything else. You're asking the question, is this world being directly ruled by God or not? And that's the only question to answer. Mm. You know what? Uh, we like to give people uh, what they want here, if we can, on TNT. So Anto asked the question. You wanted to hear a little bit about the uh, apocalypse, the gospel, etc. And I want to believe that Jonathan has uh, ticked that box for you. It was very refreshing to me in particular uh, to listen to you hear those words as well. And you know what? Uh, we've got to take another break. But listen, I do believe in uh, God is in control of everything, including TNT today's news talk and uh, I don't think my third guest has uh, weighed in yet Ryan uh, Dawson hopefully he will connect with us from Korea he's due to be connecting from Korea but you know what if he hasn't connected uh, by the time this uh, ad break finishes I don't know if you want to finish things up you want to stay on but maybe uh, the board was swept you to remain on all morning here this morning it wasn't my doing uh, it's just the way things have actually uh, panned out so maybe it'll be a coin flip here whether johnny's game for this or not but we've got to take a break and when we come back if Rand dawson in here jonathan weissman it is and so say all of us amen so don't go away this is tnt radio tnt <laughs>
choose to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future, with nutritious food to eat, a chance to learn, to get an education, and do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams by ensuring that they have access to health care, education, life skills, and more so they can grow, thrive, and believe in themselves. Gracias. Gracias. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. Whatever happens to good, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot and it's become our automatic answer to so much. Hey, how's things? Good. Your mum, your weekend? Good, good. Is good even that good anymore? At the Salvos, we believe good deserves better. Let's reclaim its true meaning. To us, good has always been about making a difference and good never picks or chooses who it helps. Isn't it time we all remember what good really means? This is Lock and Loaded with Rick Munn on TNT. Yes, uh, it's the end of the week here, the end of the first week of 2024 broadcasting. We've been on since New Year's Day, actually, and it's been a pretty chaotic week, I'm not going to lie, but in a good way. Uh, we're taking on new formats for TNT, today's news talk. We're trying to make things even more action-packed, get even more information, even more guests squeezed into each hour. And of course, we are a work in progress as well. This is a massive technical undertaking for TNT. There's a lot of people working behind the scenes to make this happen. The guys in the studio, the guests that are coming on the shows, the presenters that are adapting, of course, you people that are listening in and contributing on the live chat, and as well, uh, the management, uh, Mike and Jenny and co, who are driving this all forward. Uh, we have a lot of big plans for 2024. And one of the things that we need to be is adaptable. We need to be spontaneous. So uh, I was due to be joined uh, by a chap called Rand Dawson this morning from Korea. He hasn't quite connected yet so uh the book is passing again for the second time it's almost like a relay race and you're doing all the legs this morning jonathan uh welcome back to tnt it seems like no time since we were last talking it's great to be back rick <laughs> after 30 seconds here he is again listen it's all good and one of the things obviously i hadn't uh i like to do things a little bit off the hoof and a little bit off the cuff of a few pointers down to talk to people about but with you based on the last uh statement that you made about the, the way the world's going at the minute just keeping things a little bit geopolitical right now 2024 could arguably be one of the most significant years in human history up until this point in time, there, there's estimated that 50% of the world's population this year will be eligible to vote or will vote in some form of election that could change the course of history. Now, we have possible elections coming up uh, in the UK. Probably uh, this year, 2024, there'll be a you know an election that will result in Labour or the Tories remaining in power, most likely in the UK. Ireland has elections coming up. South Africa has elections coming up massive election coming up in America in 2024 if all things remain as they are you know without hyping it up could this be one of the most pivotal years in human history not just for politics but because of the fallout that happens as a result of these elections well of course I mean as you mentioned with America alone is enough to sort of change the world change the direction of the world I've certainly 
can say we've seen that with with Donald Trump and then with Joe Biden as well and obviously Barack Obama these are all massive pivots one way or the other i mean again my interest would always lie i suppose geopolitically in the, in the middle east really i suppose what you're seeing right now in in israel and the surrounding nations as well um from a prophetic side my my opinion is certainly that this will ultimately be the conflict that will draw all the nations to take a position one way or the other it will be a very confounding situation and it will only get more so as time progresses my views on the um, issue itself are not so simple they're not so easy to make succinct i can certainly speak to it but it's not a simple thing to do because um i am aware of uh what i believe the word of god teaches on this particular topic and how things will go but what i would say you can expect to see i mean i just read um israel's minister saying that they would like to put in place in gaza like a multinational force um to replace hamas i mean that alone has the capability to really um change that part of the world um maybe it will be seen by some to be a good thing maybe by others not to be a good thing but ultimately um when you look at the middle east this is how i put it if you look at groups like hezbollah in lebanon if you look at groups like uh the islamic um state but also the islamic revolution in iran since 1979 this and if you look at what's happening under erdogan in turkey as well this is probably the phenomenon of in, of going from kind of arab or secular states towards increasingly um you know islamic um run theocracies if you will you look at the ayatollahs and and things in iran you look at um moving to that towards um you know apocalyptic islam and i like to say it like this rick I'm an apocalyptic Christian. I'm also Jewish and I have make no bones about it. It's there, as you said, it's on my pin tweet, probably it's on my website. It's in my talks. Even when I'm talking about the vaccine, even when I'm talking about the vaccine on TNT radio, I bring it up. People talk about the Jewish people and they talk about Zionists and they talk about the rabbis, but you've got to realize that to everyone listening, it's not just about what Christians like me believe. It's not just about what Jewish people believe. You've also got Muslims, many of them who have a very apocalyptic view, and it's even running certain governments. And it and it um, has an effect on some of the things you see in nations like Turkey, like I mentioned, it's all to do with uh, reconfiguring the Middle East. And what I'm saying is these uh, fault lines you see in the Middle East politically across not just Sunni and Shiite, but even down to kind of um, the liberation so-called of Jerusalem and of Alaska um, Mosque, for example, or Alaska and the Temple Mount. This is all the very same areas that the word of God spoke about would be the very, very most contentious places in the entire world. I would say this will go above and beyond all the other things you can think about, whether it's Russia and the West, whether it's um, thinking about, you know, like capitalism and socialism and left and right wing. No, I'm saying, look, if you really want to know where I'm coming from, this middle east conflict will ultimately be the thing that will bring the world down to its knees and all the nations right up through the united nations will have to make a decision one way or the other what they think again this is a profound topic i will planning to write on it at some point in greater detail not so much the political side because i don't consider myself to be a political commentator i'm not an advocate for military operations i'm not a spoke this is not where i'm coming from mm -hmm. i'm purely interested in theology at this point and that's as always really what i've been interested in that would be my major um statement i would like to make is when you see this um 
this issue i think will be the issue that will that will that will change the world basically uh, and that would be what i would look for in this year ahead I, I agree in that, you know, for, for a very, very long time, uh, my, my eyes have been on the Middle East. Uh, there's always been uh, volatility there. There's always been conflict there. But the level at which it's happening now or the potential of which it has to go to now is unprecedented uh, in history. And I would agree with that, that, that the focus, if you're interested in, you know, if you do have a belief or you don't, either way, it doesn't matter. You need to have a focus on the Middle East because what's happening there will ultimately affect everybody on the earth irrespective of what your belief system actually is and also interestingly as well just listening to you talk uh, you mentioned Erdogan over in Turkey uh, and people talk about the book of Revelation uh, you know the revelation of Jesus Christ though it's called the revelation of St John the Divine in the Bible but there's a, a letters written to seven churches in the book of Revelation, the church of Laodicea and Pergamos and Sardis and Philadelphia. But maybe people aren't aware that those seven churches that are referred to are actually uh, located in modern day Turkey as well, uh, down in the southeastern part of Turkey. So Turkey does have a has a biblical significance as well, you know, for a lot of different faith systems, you know, it's an important place as well. So again, in that neck of the woods, Jonathan, 2024, there's going to be, I would say, increased activity, increased volatility in the Middle East and drawing in other countries like Turkey, like Iran, like Yemen now who are attacking uh, ships and causing a lot of uh, disruption in the Red Sea that's putting the prices up. Spot prices for containers I read this morning in the in the Red Sea are up 173%. So for you and I sitting here in uh, Northern Ireland, that may not seem like a big deal, but ultimately it's going to have a knock-on effect to the price of the things that we pay. No one is going to be unaffected by the events that are happening in the world at this minute. That's a very important point to make. Absolutely. And again, I've probably made this point before, you know, of course, based on everything I'm saying, you know, vaccines and the United Nations World Health Organization, this is all really, really important, what they want to do with digital ID, CBDC. But I would distinguish that the only evil plans we're facing are not necessarily only coming from the kind of globalist thinkers who want to bind us all into the same system. You've also got to see when you look at the world that there are certain um, religious apocalyptic positions, as I've mentioned, that do not fit together. You know, um, there's a tension in the Middle East, which mm. I would say at its, at its heart and at its root, spiritually is really over the Temple Mount. It's really over control of that site. Um, and at the moment, Israel technically controls the Temple Mount site, which remember is where the two temples previously stood. They're, they don't, they're not there anymore. It's where, it's also known as Mount Moriah, where Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac. But it's also the holy site of um, Islam where they pray towards. And you've got Alaska and you've got the Dome of the Rock up there. And um, to the to many of the Muslims, it's very important, the idea of of liberating Alaska, they, they, they would say. Uh, as I said, it's under Israeli control, but the um, security is kind of delegated uh, um, away from that. Um, so you have more, you won't have Israeli troops up there and it's it's all it's too controversial for Jewish people to pray up there. But if that changes in the time to come, um, which I would expect, according to my understanding of the Bible, that you will have a uh, what the prophet Daniel speaks about, which is the Antichrist removing the evening and the morning sacrifice. For 2000 years in Judaism, you haven't seen animal sacrifices in the very spot that God ordained. Now you may think, well, why on earth is he talking about animal sacrifices, you know, killing, I don't know, goats and bulls and mm -hmm. things like that and turtle doves or whatever. Well, again, I take a biblical view. My my ideas are not 
driven purely by political commentary. I drive them purely from the word of God, my understanding. And I can say that the Bible is very clear that there will be a removal of the sacrifices from that very spot. But right now, sacrifice can't happen there because when Ariel Sharon went to go and pray there, it started one of the intifadas. That was too controversial for the prime minister of Israel to go even go up to that site. And as I said, Jewish people can't pray on the site properly now. But if this changes and there's a peace um, agreement and a peace accord, and you see moves like the um, Abraham Accords, you see different um, Gulf states like you know Saudi Arabia, Qatar, UAE moving towards Israel a little bit because they're worried about Iran. You see, this thing is complex. It's not so simple. Like yes. it's just it's, it's much more complex than people realize. There's way more driving factors than people realize. And this is one thing that I'm trying to explain: is you can look at the surface and you can look at you know some quote from some person here, some Israeli politician or some Palestinian politician or whatever. But it goes way beyond that. This is a biblical conflict at the end of the day. And that's basically what I'm suggesting is when you really get to it in a biblical sense, Revelation chapter 11, um, leave out the court of the Gentiles when the angels measuring um, the site um, in Revelation chapter 11. If you look at, as I mentioned, the sacrifices in Daniel um, being removed, then you need to have a stepwise change in the Middle East for that to be permiss permitted. And I'm saying that this will basically be some kind of settlement that will ultimately come to the land of Israel and it will precede the, the apocalypse and, and the very end. So that's what I would keep my eyes on above everything else. To me, everything else is not going to transform the way the world the way this one will. This will be the uh, precursor to the return of the Lord and the wrath of, yeah. wrath of the Lamb and all these things you read about in Revelation chapter 19. And that would be the only thing I can advocate is, is the Bible's view on all these things. You know what? It's uh, great to get that perspective as well, because like I said, this is a highly complex issue. It's a highly political issue. It's also a highly spiritual issue, a highly religious issue. And that one that I do believe is going to affect everybody on the face of the earth, irrespective of what their belief systems are. There's a lovely uh, message in the live chat as well. Jane Black is listening in. She's up in the, the glens of Antrim, and she's also a contributor to uh, Locked and Loaded on TNT as well. She says, we are living in biblical times for sure. They want to bring back the golden age, but only God can do this. He has ultimate control. I believe a false Messiah will come first. This is prophesied even in the Quran. They call it the Great War. So a lot of religious systems do have this apocalyptic end time belief. And of course, it's held by billions of people uh, on the face of the planet as we speak. So I think, Jonathan, no matter what, if nothing else, 2024 and the years that follow it uh, will be unprecedented times in human history. And we are literally on the face of the planet, I believe, for such a time. Is this what a time to be alive, my friend? Just as we're up this up, what do you reckon? Are you excited in a not not in a rubbing your hands and jumping for joy way, but there's a there's there's an anticipation that something great is gonna happen that will overturn all this. And, uh, and I think you and I both know what that is. Absolutely. In terms of the biblical hope, my hope is absolutely set on the earthly yep. political reign of Christ over all his king, all his enemies and crushing all the kingdoms of this world like we read about in Daniel. But what I would say as well on the apocalyptic, uh, this is the position I have since COVID and since the, all the climate change crisis nonsense, is to be apocalyptic is now mainstream. It's now completely normal. This is what I'm trying to explain. The, the liberals are apocalyptic. The climate change people are apocalyptic. The people who shut the world down over COVID are apocalyptic. They say it's the end of the world as we know it. 
there's apocalypticism in the uh, Islamic State of Iran. There's apocalypticism with the groups who feel that if they destroy Israel, then they'll usher in um, the Mahdi like they do in Iran and other places. Apocalypticism, like what I hold to, is not so niche anymore. It's actually much more common than you could expect. It's apocalypticism that says, hey, humanity is going to destroy itself by um, having such big weaponry that we blow each other out of the water with nuclear weapons. It's all apocalypticism at the end of the day. Do you know what? Uh, like I said, this is all part of the plan. You were only supposed to be on for 10 or 15 minutes. We've got the full hour out of it. And to be honest, I feel like we're just getting warmed up like we were the very first time we spoke. I reckon we could do two or three hours in this. No problem at all. But we can't. That is not part of God's plan for us today. We have to be ushered off to the side to make way for James Freeman, at least for now anyway. So massive thanks to you, Johnny, for hanging on right to the grim death here on TNT. And for all you people for listening in on your lovely comments and chat. I'll be back Monday morning, bright and early at nine o'clock. James is incoming. Stay tuned for him and have a fantastic weekend, whoever you are, whatever you're doing. This is Rick Munn signing out for the week. TNT Radio, today's news talk.